I, have, I hope you have your Bibles open to Ezra chapter number 7. I want to look at chapter 7 in just a little bit. I want to also look at chapter 8. If you have a Bible, you have a Bible in front of you, I believe. If you would like to uh, look up Ezra, of course, it's Ezra, then Nehemiah. So it's right then by Job and then the Psalms. And so you just start from Psalms, go all the way back, and you'll find the book of Ezra. And I thought it would be good for us to kind of have more of a, a different service this morning and uh, change things and maybe have a Sunday night type service. And Sunday night's perhaps a little bit more laid back for you um, and, and for me somewhat. But I, I felt it was important for me to address the issue of revival. And many of you have been watching what is happening uh, there at Asbury University. And many of you are aware... How many have heard of this revival that's going on? Raise your hand. And so it's on the news, at least on the Fox News. I don't know if the other uh, people are taking, uh, are taking note of it. Um, but I began to see um, what was happening right away. I felt the sense that God was moving. Um, and again, we are desiring to have revival in our country. Uh, we would like to see a corporate moving of God again. We do see personal times where... Uh, you may have had revival individually. And uh, remember that we're not talking about evangelism or evangelistic meetings. We're talking about revival. And revival is basically reviving something uh, that was at one time alive, has somewhat died down, and then we're looking for that heart to be able to be revived again. So is this happening in our country? I wanted to give you a little bit of what um, personally is what I believe is happening. Um, and then I want to read to you an article that one of the Van Gelderens wrote. Read some of that for you. And then I also have uh, some of the scripture here. We can see from the Word of God uh, what a revival looks like and how uh, the people can prepare for it. So I have, I have some uh, application toward the end of it. But I just wanted to bring to you, first of all, uh, this, this Asbury um, College or university, where is it? Uh, Whitmore, uh, Kentucky. It's just uh, not too far. I think it's 50 minutes from Lexington, Kentucky. Not too far away from um, the Ark. So maybe you have been there. And so this particular university is grounded in the Wesleyan holiness tradition. And so if you're not familiar with the Wesleyan movement, uh, the, the Methodist, uh, John Wesley, of course, um, and, and his brother, um, desired to be able to write music where you're going to sing your doctrine. Uh, but they also believe that you could live uh, a pure life here on earth. You could live as holy as, as, you, as you desire. And, um, and, I, and I think it's important for us to strive for that. I think holiness is needed today. I think you would agree with that. We live in a culture where uh, it's kind of hard to deal with the youth of our day because it seems like they're not really thinking about others. They're only thinking about themselves. There is never really a thank you or a please. Um, there's all this expectation uh, like they're actually are, are, uh, like they're, they, they need something from you. And so... Um, I, I think it's wonderful that God is working in the 18 to 25-year-olds. This is where it seems to be affecting. Um, we know that in 1970, there was a similar uh, revival that took place there also, and it lasted for a couple of weeks. 
Uh, it's now been over, we've actually surpassed that now. Um, as I'm speaking, the auditorium there or their chapel is completely full. And th- the way it began was there was just a simple message uh, given from a, from a weekly chapel time. And then there was an invitation given, and the invitation started to stir the hearts. To stir the hearts. What is that going on? So I, was, uh, I thought for sure there was a bomb in here. I was going to go underneath this. Uh, this is actually a shelter here. You're all going to die, but this is a shelter for me. But, uh, but when it comes to this whole thing of revival, is that there began then a stirring in the heart of some, and then it started to spread. And uh, I, I was listening to one uh, young man that was talking about being at the altar, and he knew that there was revival because he looked over and he saw an elderly lady from the school had her hands upon one of the younger ladies and was praying over her. And they looked to his right and he saw an, a younger man with one of the older men from the school that was one of the professors, and a younger man had his hands on him, praying for him, and, and they were all weeping. And there was God was moving in the hearts, and they were actually repenting and confessing, and there was people calling home uh, and dealing with the issues of sin, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But so when you have a revival, um, and, you, and you look at it and say, was it really from God or not? Uh, I think there's a little bit of speculation in our minds and in our hearts for what's going on in our world today. But is God moving at Asbury University in Wilmore, can, Kentucky, the school has been now blessed uh, with revivals, uh, of course, in the past, 1970. And that particular revival impacted 130 other campuses. Now, you have to get this in your mind because, um, uh, because uh, this particular Asbury College or university has about 1,640 students in it. So there isn't that many. Uh, university of Wisconsin has quite a bit more. Um, but wouldn't it be a wonderful blessing if God began to work in this university, here in this? Amen. You know, uh, what caused God to come to that particular place? And, and is God working again? I, I like this article because you can read all of the uh, history um, of the revival that's happening. You can read that on their website if you go to the U, U, uh, Asbury University website. But thankfully, the school's students and the faculty seek revival by responding to the Holy Spirit stirring to pray and to seek God's reviving presence. He goes on in an article to say, um, of course, we're talking about uh, a man who wrote this, this article here. And in, in the article, he's actually saying that the Spirit's stirring and in the presence of God is there. Asbury has a faculty... Uh, and administration that adjusts the schedule when the Spirit clearly moves. The Van Gelderen goes on to say, uh, as has a theology, uh, this particular school, that they welcome revival so that when it comes, they can adjust things to, to actually help the student. And um, But it's amazing because I think sometimes we get so organized and so desiring for the next thing and so caught up into it that if we don't start on time, and if we don't have everything the way that, that the outline shows us or the order of service shows us that we think we're in error, but it might just be that God wants to show up and show himself to us. And I believe that was happening. He goes on to say that the present moving of the Spirit 
is well documented in their electronic publication called the Asbury College Collegian. And th these are uh, first-hand accounts. And my sense is, he says, that this present move is a quiet but real moving of God. Many are blessed by what is happening. Hundreds have poured in from other places, now thousands. And it may be difficult to process all you might have read or seen in the videos. And some wonders whether this is really a revival or not. And how do you really know? He goes on to say that often we tend to focus on an incidental occurrence and then argue for or against based upon a particular issue. But revivals cannot be properly assessed with a focus on incidents. Revivals must be assessed based upon the word of God. And he makes it really clear that in 1 John chapter 4, the Bible tells us that we ought to try the spirits, whether they be of Christ or not. And then there are indicators within that. He goes on to say in his article that there are uh, the true work of the Holy Spirit, there are three things. Number one is that it produces the right view toward Jesus Christ. Now, this morning we're going to look at an Old Testament example of revival and the renewing of the, the people of God by the Holy Spirit of God. But nowadays, if you see that there is someone that says that they are experiencing revival in their life, or if you see that there is a corporate working of the Spirit of God in any church. I don't care what denomination they are. When that happens, of course, it produces the right view toward Jesus, which leads to overcoming Satan lies and then, therefore, deals with sin. We see this in 1 John chapter 4, verses 2 through 5. But it also produces the right view toward the Word of God, which is really accompanied by the conviction that I am in the truth, I need the truth, I want to live by the truth. And this is actually brought out in 1 John chapter 4, verse number 6. It helps us to understand that this is true work of God. Now, you may be here this morning and thinking, why am I here? I really believe that, that God is giving you an opportunity to be saved if you're not saved. Uh, if you are saved, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for you to renew your walk with God, to be renewed in your spirit, to be able to have that fresh presence and fellowship of God. And I want to I, I show you in just a little bit of how we can do that or what you ought to focus on. But he says here also that it produces the love for God and for others. And so in 1 John 4, 7, it tells us, but also in 1 John chapter 5, verse number 1, it shows us that those that are in fellowship with God are going to have an incredible love for his children. And so for the ones that have been born again, we're going to love the other ones that have been born again. Sure, there's going to be a love for the lost people in the world, but it's not talking about that. We're talking about revival. We're talking about your heart being stirred up by God and him moving within your heart. And through reading articles, he goes on to say in personal posts and watching numerous videos from those on site, the best I can tell, this movement that is happening in Kentucky is real and it passes the test of 1 John chapter 4. 
But he goes on to say that there is much emphasis then on Jesus, and, and it helps us understand a little bit more that Jesus is the emphasis, the person of Jesus. He is exalted, he is focused on, and the young people are thrilled to sing songs about the Lord Jesus Christ, and it shows that there is a... If you don't have... You can never be revived and renewed if you've never been first born from above. So let me share with you that. If you Settle that this morning. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, come to Christ today. Stop monkeying around thinking that you can go to church and get like a turn over a new leaf and, and read a book about ten practices of, of being a better person. Uh, your heart needs to be changed. And Jesus Christ himself came to this earth to heal the brokenhearted, to save you from your sin. Jesus Christ came to do that. And it is not your righteousness that will save you. It is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so you cannot be revived unless you first have been born again first. And so I wanted to make that clear. So I'm talking to the Christians today is that there'll be a focus on Jesus Christ when you feel a stirring within your heart. There is a much indication of dealing with sin. There will be the repentance and confession. There'll be apologies and forgiveness. And there'll be the healing of the hearts. And there'll be peace and there'll be freedom. And you'll have the the sense of the power of God and the boldness of the Lord Jesus Christ and the boldness of the Spirit when you are revived. And there's also much talk about love in action with testimonies. How that someone is actually going to do something instead of just saying it. And if you can tell someone that you love them and that you care for them, but if you do nothing, you're the only one that feels that they get nothing out of it. You're the only one that feels that it makes you feel better by telling people how much you love people, but you don't do anything. Revival, when it comes to the heart of the individual, they're doing something. And I really appreciate Grace Baptist Church. I just was talking to someone last night, and we were praising the Lord for this particular place. Um, But I am asking God to come. I have many times wept at the altar here and said, don't forget about us, God. Would you come and show up on Sunday morning? And would you work in the hearts of the people? Because my words are going to go to the grave with me, but God's words are eternal. And, and uh, God's work is eternal, and God's will is. And the, the love of this world is, is going to take us down, but the love of God will then give us the power to do what he wants us to do. He has the article by saying this, John Van Gelderen. He says, praise the Lord, the wind of his spirit is blowing again. And the people at Asbury, uh, at the epicenter of this, by now people on other campuses are being blessed and they are seeking the Lord and some churches are actually opening up and they're actually having revival. Uh, They opened up their churches yesterday. They opened them up last night so people could come and pray. And some of them are experiencing that revival that actually I believe has come to to there in Kentucky. But I want you to kind of think if you could about this a little bit a little bit more, uh, by looking at the book of Ezra. And we know that there was a rebuilding of the walls, and the children of Israel were 70 years in bondage, and then they were released again. And Ezra the scribe is actually mentioned here. And this particular individual that's mentioned had the hand of God upon him. Look at verse number 6, if you would, toward the last of that verse. It says, according to the hand of the Lord of God upon him, this Ezra that we're talking about, his lineage is in the first few verses there. And then also it says in verse number 6 here, it says, this Ezra went up from Babylon 
And so he was the ready scribe. That's how we get that term, the ready scribe. Uh, of course, understanding the law. In verse number 9, also toward the end of it, it says, according to the good hand of, of his God upon him. And so we know that God actually was working in Ezra's heart. And it was, it was Ezra that began to prepare himself for God's power and God's work and for revival to happen. And, uh, and I, was, I was thinking about um, some things that actually, before we read the revival itself, it's going to be in the 8th chapter in just a minute, but I was thinking about words that come to my mind when God is working in someone when it comes to revival. And the first thing is this. You might want, might want to write it down. It is honesty. When was the last time you were completely honest with everyone around you? If revival is going to begin with me, my words need to be as good as gold. I need to be honest with myself, with my wife, certainly with my God, with my family. And I really believe the first H that comes to my mind when it comes to revival is this, is this word of honesty. Because I've been pastoring for a long time, for 25 years, and I've sat across the desk from people that have talked to me, and they were just giving me, if you would, happy talk. Talk that would make me feel good as a pastor. And, and I would really want you to know that I would rather have you be honest with me about things that are going on in your life instead of just giving me happy talk. And I believe that God is that way. I believe if you want to do, deal with your sin and deal with your life and you want revival, is that we got to understand this word, honesty. And it seems like these are uh, the attributes of the New Testament deacons, that they were men that were honest. They looked out among themselves and they found honest men that were full of faith, that were able to do the work. But the first uh, dynamic ability or character uh, trait in their life was that they were honest men. I think about how that uh, years ago my mom used to say uh, and kind of teased me a little bit because I lived in McFarland and how many know where McFarland is? And that's where I was born uh, in Madison General. My mom and dad lived there when I was a little boy and I would walk down to the Main Street area and I'd walk in, I'd talk to the pharmacist, and I would look at all the penny candy back then. It was a dime for a Mountain Dew, uh, but you got to leave the bottle there, so I had to drink it there, which was good because I didn't want to bring the evidence home. Uh, as a five-year-old and six-year-old, uh, there's penny candy, and Larry was the man who owned the pharmacy, Larry's Pharmacy. You might remember that, some of you that are older. And then I would come home, and my, my mom actually thought I was lying to her. She did. To this day, she thinks... I actually went down, and I would go downtown at five, six years old and talk, and I'd look at the comic books and everything. You know, and, and I think what hurts is, is when people don't believe you um, when you're telling them the truth. But let me tell you something. God knows the truth, doesn't he? And, and if you're walking in the truth and you're being honest, I think that's the first thing that actually you need in your life to be able to sense the spirit and the power of God and, and have personal revival in your life is honesty. And I think what that brings is the second thing, and that's humility. I really believe in order for us to have revival, pride has to get out. 
And that's why God works in people's lives sometimes when they're at rock bottom. How many in this room have ever been to rock bottom? Raise your hand. I think about that poor fellow that's down there. His, his wife was, was killed. I think it was on, she hit, was hit by the train, Brother Jerry. And your wife's been down there every single week helping him clean his house. He's at rock bottom. Didn't know what to do. The director of a camp and his wife was killed, a train hitter. And then he was the one that identified her. Oh, my goodness. You know what, though? There's a humble man. And, and whether we really like it or not, God allowed him to be humbled for some reason. And I don't know what it would take to humble you. I don't know what illness needs to happen to you or your wife or someone that you love dearly. And I don't know what it would take to humble your heart, but God does. He knows. I remember a fellow that was dealing with difficulties in his heart, and he knew there was pride there, and he didn't want to trust Jesus Christ as his Savior, and he was in jail, and he was going through all kinds of things. Well, right before he got out of jail, he said something or did something that put him in the hole. And you that have been incarcerated know what I'm talking about. It's isolation time, and it was there that God met with him and changed his heart. And God worked in his heart because he was humble. He became honest with God, and he was humble. And I think humility is absolutely essential. But I think something else goes along with evidence that revival is happening, and that's the word hunger. It just seems like if somebody is really in tune with what God is desiring, that there is a hunger for the word of God. You know, it's it, our theme this year, uh, wherefore, um, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And so we're dealing with abounding in, in the work of the Lord. We've got to understand that God is going to help us, and he is going to help us to be hungry in his word. And, and I, I think it's for the word of God that you're hungry for it. How many in this room ever experienced a time, you don't have to raise your hand, where, where you just couldn't get enough of God's word? You got up during the night and you began to read his word and you began to know and sense that this is the spirit of God using the word of God to help you within your heart. And all of the things of this world were set aside just for a period of time because God met with you and he was showing you that this is truth and this is his desire and it's his will and he's using his word to be able to feed you and nourish your spirit and you said man i just sense that god is here at this time i remember talking to a pastor friend of mine his, his name is um hawkins was his last name um what was his wife's name tam you remember eva what was his name don don and eva hawkins it was a saturday morning and i'm drywalling i'm in college i've got three boys and a wife at college but i went over to their house because she made the best Biscuits and gravy. They were from the south. They didn't have much. But I went over there and I sat down at their table. And I looked over at Don, a pastor friend of mine. He's a little older than I was. He always teased me about the King James Bible because I always used it, you know, and how much I love my Bible and so on. But he says, you know, Brother Dean, the other night I was sitting all alone in this little room back of the trailer. They lived in a trailer. And I was in the book of Hebrews and I began to read. And pretty soon I noticed tears coming out of my eyes and dripping onto the page. And God was moving in my heart. It was the Spirit of God bearing witness with my spirit. And I said, that's revival. 
That's a renewal. A renewal of obedience happening in the heart of a man who already is preaching. You see, I think of the spiritual leaders, if they sense revival, it's coming. And if they desire it, I believe God will do it in the people too. And I really believe that there's a difference uh, between a church that's looking for revival and one that isn't. To be honest with you, I, I don't know if I could go to any church here in Madison besides this one. I, honest, because I, I just love it. Because when I, I'm seeing people shake hands and hug each other, and, and during the pandemic and all that stuff, they were upset with us because there was hugging, and they were, and I was like, "Come, man, we'll hug you too, and we'll shake your hand too, because we know you what you need more than just the vaccination. You need Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you need people that love you and care about you earnestly, and people who have a hunger." for the word of God. As I was thinking about this, I also thought not only for humility, honesty, and and hunger, but also holiness. There's just too much worldliness in us today. And I want to to be honest with you. Uh, Your your holiness is not on the outside of you. You you can go ahead and, and veil your head if you want to. doesn't make you holy. You can go ahead and cut your hair short and shave your face. You can go ahead and, and wear long skirts, and you can go ahead and, and do all of that externally. But that doesn't make you holy. What makes you holy is patterning your life after the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Word of God says, Be holy even as I am holy. And so He is our example. It's not by pleasing somebody else. It's about pleasing the God of heaven. I thought it was interesting because revival came to the people of God in the Old Testament. There was a man that was prepared for it. And this is how it actually happened. Let me read the account to you. It's in the 8th chapter, beginning in verse number 1. In verse verse number 1, it says, Ezra chapter 8. I'm sorry, Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 1. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women. And those that could understand in the ears of all the people were attentive under the book of the law. Now these are God's people. And Ezra pulls out the law of Moses and begins to read it. In verse number seven or verse number four, it says, And Ezra the scribe stood upon the pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood Matthiah and Shema and Hananiah and Urijah and Hilkiah and Messiah and Hilkiah. I'm sorry, and Messiah on his right hand, and on his left hand, Padiah and Mishael and Malachiah, and Hashem, 
and Hashadana and Zechariah and Mishalem. Aren't you glad we have Pete, Bill, Bob? Yeah. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he had opened it, all the people stood up. Now, this is why Grace Baptist Church has you stand as we read the Bible, as we did earlier. I chose somebody out of the congregation to be able to read the book, uh, read the Bible, and so this is where we get it from. And the desire for us to be able to be in unity, to be able to read the Word of God together, and then we focus on one verse, is all planned for us to be able to be on the same page. This is what happened here. And they prepared, by the way, not only was Ezra prepared, but they also made this thing of wood where they were able to stand upon it, and they were desiring for there to be be, uh, listeners that are out there. It says in verse number 5 then, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above the people when he opened it. All the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up of their hands. And they bowed their heads. And they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now, if we look at the posture of revival, it it is not running around and jumping on a stage. It is a posture of bowing your head and lifting your hands toward the God who who has worked in your life and you're saying and reaching out to him to say, not only do I desire for my heart to be clean, but my hands are no longer holding the things of this world. I'm desiring for you to work within me so that you would actually make me into the individual that I desire, that you desire for me to be. And their faces were to the ground, it says in verse number six, the latter part of it. And Jeshua and, ba- and Bani and Sherebiah uh, and Jamin and Acub and Shabbatiah and Hodijah and, and Messiah and Kalita and Azariah and Josabad and Hanan and Peliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book, in the law, distinctly, and gave sense, and caused them to un- understanding the reading. And so you say, well, sometimes uh, you're a little bit too practical, Pastor, and sometimes it's a little bit too easy for me to understand. It is because it is better for you to take a morsel of meat with you and be able to chew it and swallow it before you leave here rather than have all kinds of things that you don't understand. And so let me just give you four things that I think are absolutely necessary. And this is my evening message. It's this morning, okay? So here it is. I think it's important for us to look back at Ezra chapter number 7, look at verse number 10, and, and, and I'll show you how you can actually prepare your heart for revival, okay? Look what it says in verse number, number, number 10. Four things that Ezra did. And the first thing was, in verse number 10, for Ezra had prepared his heart. And so if you're looking for personal revival, we're talking about preparing your heart. Not your brain, not memorizing all kinds of things. We're talking about how about your heart. What are you harboring within your heart? The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 23, that all the issues of life come from our heart. All of the, the feelings and sensitivity toward other people comes from the heart. If there's any hatred, if there's any corruption, it comes from the heart. So there needs to be a, con, a continual working on your heart. And how about your heart this morning? Is it right with God? Is there some things in your life that you need to get cleaned up? Then think about this. It's deep down in your heart. Pull them out and give them to God, because God will clean them. 
I think about how that the Bible tells us in James chapter 4, verse number 6, that uh, if we're not careful, we can have a hard heart, and we can be double-hearted if we're not careful. And double-minded people are going to be unstable in all of their ways. And let me just share this with you. If you're here today, and you're born again, and you're living in the world, and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you knew that there was one time where you walked with him, and you had a fresh fellowship with him, and you knew you were on track, but now you're not living for him, and you're kind of out there doing things. Let me tell you something. God wants to work in your heart again. But you can't be double-minded. You have to be single-hearted single-minded, keeping your focus upon him. I think it's important for us to know that the Bible tells us that if we're bitter in our hearts, in Proverbs, it tells us that God knows your bitterness, but also you know your own bitterness. The Bible says a man knows his own bitterness. What made you bitter? It was a past hurt. It was a past hurt that never healed. And so it began to callous within you, and pretty soon you began to fester, if you would, and to feed the feelings of flesh rather than yielding to the Spirit of God. And so you began to cut off people, and you began to not forgive them. And pretty soon your heart became so full of bitterness that no matter who touched you, they got bitter too, at least a sense of it from you. I know that bitterness will hurt people forever. And What's so wonderful about revival is that when it comes, it cleans the heart again. It heals the heart. It helps you that you can actually be free of that bitterness and that burden that weights you down so much that you can't do anything. And It's amazing how pretty soon the whole world stinks and everybody's wrong. And You can tell a bitter person pretty soon after you talk to them. And I don't think they're full of self-love. I just think they're hurt really bad. And they need Jesus. And he's willing to cleanse them. And he might use you to help them see their need of coming to him. I think about how that the heart also needs to be clean of pride. We talked about it already. Sometimes we get spiritual arrogant. Well, I know the scripture is better than them. Do you know how long I've been saved? Do you know what I do, my position? Listen, God is never desiring for you to go after a position. He's looking for you to be hungry for the Great Commission. And we'll talk about that tonight. Because if you think that your position makes you elite, you've got a pride problem. We need humility. I appreciate the men of our church. Some of them I'll talk to them and speak to them, and pretty soon it doesn't take very long, and there's some tears. And I like that. Because there needs to be that humility. Because with, with pride, all there is is arrogance and fights and problems and condescending speech and so on. And so the first thing I see, that if I'm longing for revival, I've got to prepare my heart. If Grace Baptist Church would take the time and say, we're going to spend time this morning before we go to church and prepare our hearts. How about before you get to the door and say, Lord, before I go through the threshold of your, of your church and of your, to see your people, would you please cleanse me, Lord? Would you wash my mind? Would you purify my heart so that I can actually hear the word of God? And you know what he'll do? He'll open up his word to you. He will show you things you've never seen before from the scripture. He desires to do that. How about your heart? The second thing 
It says here, for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. So how do I get revival? By desiring his word, by seeking his word. The scriptures say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I really believe that if revival is going to come to a heart, that you're going to prepare your heart for that revival. Here I am, Lord. Cleanse me. I humble my heart. Come. Meet the needs. The second thing, oh, give me your word. What a blessing to have all of these people stood up as Ezra read the word of God. And there's only a handful here this morning, but I've been in congregations with thousands of people that do the same thing. They all stand. It's not a two hours of just swaying back and forth with music. It's a a dealing with the hearts and dealing with the issue. Folks, I've been in Romania where they could not meet together because of the laws. And finally it opened up. I was there in 1996. Ceausescu was just shot and so on. And I got in there and I was able to be part of the churches. And I went from church to church. And I remember one church, there was actually one hour of singing and crying and testimony before I came in to preach. One hour of it. Man, if our church isn't 45 minutes long and then 15 minutes of wrapping things up, you know. But they didn't care about that. I'd shake hands at the door and their hands were rough because many of them got a couple hours of work in in the fields before they came to church. And many of them didn't have what we had and I ended in their homes. And I know we have a lot here and we talked about it last week, but going around the world and seeing what the world has out there, we're, we're very blessed. And I remember seeing their church services where there was weeping and testimonies and the crying out to God and the moving of his spirit prior to even the word of God being preached. Let's slow down, Grace Baptist Church. Let's prepare our hearts to hear the word of God. Let us get our Bibles back out again. And let us read from the book of life. This will feed your soul. It will actually help you within. It will nourish you. Oh, you're taking in so much garbage through the week on TV and different places. Isn't it wonderful to have truth and the Spirit of God working within you? He sought the law of the Lord. Not only to read the book, but we're supposed to meditate upon it day and night. If we're going to be able to prosper, we've got to be in the Word of God, meditating upon the Word of God, and then living the Word of God. Singing I go long life's road. Praise, is it? Yeah. I, I just love that song. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about heaven came down and glory filled my soul. We sing hymns. We sing the hymns, but seldom do we really have revival. Personal revival. Do we, do we really desire to have it within our own personal lives? If we desire to have it, then we're going to be people who are preparing our hearts, people who are seeking his word. The third thing I really believe is to practice it. Practice it. Preach the word, yes, but be a good example. I think that Practicing the word of God is something that is essential. I hit on it earlier. Whenever you meet somebody that's a Christian, um, do you have to tell them you're a Christian? Um, someone said, preach a good sermon and use words if you have to. 
think sometimes it's better to just show people you care and you love them and that you are a born-again Christian rather than always telling them. Uh, you know the Christian I'm talking about. Everywhere you go, he's telling everybody how good he is. and It's kind of embarrassing at times. And I've had people around me in the past like that. He just wished and would pray that they would actually start acting it out and being the kind of person that God wanted them to be. I think sometimes that we can actually um, do Christian things and, and look just like everybody else doing these Christian things, but never really being the Christian God wants us to be. Do you love people? Then show them that you love them. Do you love God? Then show them that you love him. Tell others about him. I think revival is, is returning to Jesus and love your love for him. I think revival is really a renewal and the obedience to God. And I, and I really believe that we're lacking it today. And, and I don't want to be, have a service where we're beating you up over it. I'm saying, I, I want to be part of the solution, and, and I desire, and if I'm going to be up here during the day crying out to God, please send the fires again of heaven, and let us, our hearts be revived again, oh God. And shouldn't we all be saying that, singing those things? That, Come, Lord, meet the needs. And I think the last thing is in the text. It says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and then to teach the Israel, Israel statutes and judgments. I think a person who's been revived, and if you're seeking revival, I think the first three are important. But the last one is that you ought to desire to have a way that you can actually flush out your Christianity. Teach it. Be a teacher. Do the work. Come to church and, and help us with what we're doing here. Maybe you want to be a librarian. Well, we need one. Maybe you need to, to, to say, well, what can I do to help out, Pastor? Well, there's plenty of things to do, but, but your Christianity shouldn't be all bottled up in one, and then you, you, know, you, you say, well, I give God you know, two hours on Sunday from 10 to 12, and then the rest of the week's mine. And you don't mean to do that, but I'm just trying to encourage you that there's, there's things for you to do and, and flesh out. I remember studying geography and I, about the Holy Land and seeing how the land is topographically different and, and even studying Ezekiel and seeing how the changes will be in the land during the millennium and, and studying how far it is from the Sea of Galilee to the to the Dead Sea, 62 miles of the Sea of Galilee, uh, of the Jordan River between the Sea of Galilee, and how it goes back and forth. And, and then it, we studied in how dry and how gross, if you would, the Dead Sea is. And we said, why is it like that? It's because it didn't have an outlet. And the Sea of Galilee, if we were to take a bus and go over there today and look at the Holy Land and we were to walk right down to that wonderful blue sea of Galilee, we would say, this is where Jesus walked. This is where he crossed over. And this is where he healed the man. We would, we would say, wow, it's beautiful. All the wadis that come in and the rivers, it all flows into the Jordan River because it has an outlet. And the Dead Sea is dead because there's no outlet. And you know what happens to Christians if they don't have an outlet? You become stagnant. You become stationary. You, became, you become people who 
sour and soak and maybe get bitter toward other people, oh, the opportunity is before you. But let me tell you this. Satan will do everything he can to keep you from that opportunity. He will cause you to be tired on Sunday morning. He will cause you to do things on Saturday nights so you don't feel like you should go on, on Sunday mornings. You know, God is at work in our land again. But it's simple. You just go back to the word of God. How do I get revival? Prepare your heart. Prepare your heart, dear friend. Seek him through his word. Practice it. And then teach it to others. Oh, there's so much more I could talk about this morning. But the need of our own personal walk is, how are you doing? When was the last time you sensed the presence of God? Have you been revived? Do you desire? Oh, revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in you. Because that's what happens when you have revival. You rejoice in the God of heaven, and your joy is your strength. And the reason why we don't have much strength today is because we're not revived. Do you seek him? Do you desire? Then why don't you come? This is an old-fashioned altar this morning. And you can come. We won't judge you. The heads will be bowed. And if you want to come and just pray at an old-fashioned altar and say, Lord, I need to renew my mind and my heart because this is the direction I want to go forward with you. I want you. I want that fellowship with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just stand to your feet? Stand to your feet if you would. No one looking around. In just a moment, the piano's going to play. And if you need to come, you come. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in our service this morning. Maybe it's been a long time for some of us that we've never... It's been a long time since we knelt down. It's been a long time since we sensed your presence. Why don't you work in their hearts this morning? Father, I pray that you would move the hearts and you would bring them to your heart. Bless the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.